You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Weird ideas always come to me, and it's interesting, though, when they get stuck in your head. I mean, I'll literally, like, I can't sleep, or I'll wake up in the middle of the night with, like, more more thoughts, more concepts on a certain idea that's just gotten stuck in my head, you know? And it's a great feeling, because it really starts to grow from that. When you have something stuck in your head that's waking you up at night, that's keeping you up at night, waking you up early, that's something that's growing, And that's what you want the word of God to do in your life. You want to get the word of God in your life to where it's waking you up, you know, where it's, where you're, it's keeping you up at night, where when you're going to sleep, you're thinking about it. You're, you're remembering that concept. You're remembering that idea. You're considering it. You're mulling it over. And when you've got a word from God stuck in your head, when you find yourself contemplating these things, when you're wrestling with a scripture or an understanding of God's grace, you can be confident that you're on your way to breakthrough and that fruit is coming. So that was point number one. The word is continually in your heart. Point number two is the root. You hold your faith in tough times. Now, faith is easy when things are easy, right? So, it, you know, you love, I praise God for easy times. The, the disciples needed easy times, right? Like, they went through the time of losing Jesus at the cross. Thank goodness they got the time when he raised, rose from the dead and he went and spent time with them. They got to actually see him. Things would not be the way they are for us today if they had not seen Jesus with their own eyes and had that time of sitting there, talking with Jesus, eating fish with Jesus, you know, just spending time with him again. And during that time, it was easy. It was great. Of course, I believe in Jesus. Of course, I believe, you know, that he raised raised from the dead. He's standing right in front of me. But that time was limited. Jesus ascended to the Father. But the disciples couldn't lose faith in that time. They had to go wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now they didn't even have the Holy Spirit yet. They're just waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. But they had to hold faith to that and trust him that he was sending that comforter. They had to hold faith in that time. Now it's interesting about this seed, the seed that falls on the stony ground. What it says is that it sprung up quickly. There was quick, visible results. But that was because all the results were on the surface. Religion focuses on this kind of results, on surface results. Clean this up, do this, don't do that, cut that off, grow this out, wear this, not that, right? Let's, let's fix things on the surface so everything looks like it's great. Passion can be misguided, right? Don't fight for the surface growth. You need to go deep. Nobody sees what's going on below the dirt. You don't get the recognition for the growth of your roots. But when God is dealing with your heart, that's the most important thing. If you grow up and grow out quickly without growing your roots deep, you're going you're gonna to have too much weight. You're going to fall over. You're going to shrivel up. You're going to dry out. And, and we've probably all experienced that a couple times where we, where we tried to grow too quickly. We tried to do too much too fast. And when we just realized, you know, we're just falling flat on our face again because we didn't take the time to go deep. Another interesting thing we see here in this parable is what killed the plant. It's the sun. 
Now, we all know that plants grow through photosynthesis. They need the sun to grow. The sun helps them grow. Yet, in this case, the sun kills the plant because it didn't have enough root. It, didn't, it wasn't able to get enough water to take care of the photosynthesis, take care of the leaves. The very thing that kills weak faith will strengthen strong faith. Jesus said just a little earlier in the same chapter that whoever has, more will be given to them. Whoever has not, even what they have will be taken away. It's the same thing with our faith. We have to get a revelation. We have to, we have to hold on to faith. And when we have those roots, then God is able to grow on the surface. But first, we have to, have to deal with the roots. James 1, 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I'm going to need two volunteers if I could. Okay, Amy, come on up. Zach, all right. That's perfect. That's perfect. Thank you, guys. You can both just get over here. I'm, yeah, I'm just going to embarrass you guys. Thank you. But I can say that I'm... I'm I can't say that I'm any good at, at counting it all joy, but if you're going through some things, I want you to know, hold on to your faith because it's going to mature you. It's going to deepen your roots. God is going to work all things together for your good because you love him and because you are called according to his name. You can go ahead and put on that video for me. Turn up the volume just a little bit, not much, but. All right, you guys can see that a little bit, right? All right, Zach, can you see that? Man, you're so glad you came up here. I want you guys to just go ahead and follow along with that for me. Let's sh show them a little Tai Bo. How many of you guys remember Tai Bo, right? Anybody? Okay. Mostly back from the days of VHS. She's ready to do some Tai Bo. All right. Well, some of you guys might have done this before or some other workout videos like it. I remember, you know, back in, uh, you know, decade ago, whatever, being a teenager and my parents had VHS like this, like of, of Billy Blanks. Tybo, you know, ancient stuff. Most of it actually grabbed out of the 80s. And uh, I, remember, I remember doing these workouts. How many, how, be honest, how many of you guys have done some, some old school VHS workouts? All right. And you spend some time, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, I start out, you know, prepping myself mentally, thinking, okay, this is going to be ridiculous. I'm going to look ridiculous. I'm going to feel terrible. Put in the VHS, you sit down, you watch the commercials of other workout videos. And up to that point, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm okay with the commercials. Uh, then I have to stand up and actually start doing the workout. And it starts off easy, you know, he, especially with Billy Blanks, like he just does a couple stretches. You're just, you know, you do a couple things and they're like, you're like, okay, uppercut. Okay, I can do that. Uppercut. Then you're like, squeeze your abs. You're like, okay, uppercut, uppercut. And he's like, double time, uppercut, uppercut, uppercut. Left, right, left, right. All right, you know, keep going. All right. <laughs> And so I, I did these for years. Now, let me be clear. I did these several different years spread apart, and usually only one time for about five minutes of the video. Anybody else, like, you, you, you're like, I'm going to try this. I, I see what I can do. And you're like, five minutes, and you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And you're like, oh, I'm done. I'm done. Five minutes into the video, you're like, I'll watch the rest. It's going to exercise me mentally. I don't know about you guys, are you, are you squeezing your abs? You tighten it? Because that's the only way you're gonna get that 12 pack. All right, but okay, you guys can sit down. 
There's a reason, though, that I don't look anything like Billy Blanks. And it's because I did this, you know, once every couple of years for five minutes until I ran out of breath and got tired. You can stop that now. Thanks, Billy. But you've got to persevere when things get hard, right? When things get, when you can't just go while it's easy. If you go while it's easy, there's not going to be any growth. You have to persevere. If you are going through trials, tribulations, temptations, persecutions, testing of your faith, but you're not letting go of your faith and you're trusting in God and you're being faithful to things he's called you to, then you can be sure that fruit is on its way and breakthrough is on its way. All right, number three. The third sign that fruit is on its way is the stock, that your mind is set on things above. That's after, after you have the seed, after you have the roots, then you begin to, to, to grow up some. And uh, the, third, the third soil that the seed fell in was full of weeds. And it began to grow, but then the cares of life came in and choked it. The deceitfulness of wealth came in and choked it. Your focus doesn't need to be on the cares of life. Your focus doesn't need to be on wealth. You need to have your mind set on things above. And Colossians 3 gives us a good idea of what that means. So we'll go there. Starting in verse 1, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And we're going to skip to verse 15 now. So that's Colossians 3.15. It says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. We need to have peace in our hearts. We need to have the message dwelling inside of us. We need to have psalms and hymns and songs springing from our spirit. Everything we do, we need to do in the name of Jesus and everything with thanksgiving. This is setting your mind on things above. This is recognizing though you are here, your life is really hidden with Christ who is at the right hand of God. Your needs are met there. Your faith is a reality there. There, there are storms, I mean, here there are storms, but there you have complete peace in Christ. There are no storms in heaven. There are no storms affecting your spirit. The storms are here, but you are hidden with Christ. Now, everybody remembers about a month back when the Powerball was going, right? Powerball was really big. What was it, like 500 million or something like that? Some ridiculous number. Half a billion, so yeah, okay, 500 million. And, uh, woo, you got, I got to say, I, don't, I haven't played the lottery much. I've done it a couple times in my life. But I got to say, that number makes you, makes you think twice about it. It makes you think, maybe I, maybe I ought to try this. Like, just in case, just in case it's God's will that I get this money. <laughs> I'll open the door. You do what you want, God, you know, just in case. And I, I, 
I knew a lot of people that did, and I, I was thinking about it. It was like, what, $2, something like that to get a ticket? And I was, I should do it. Just one ticket, see what God does. I should do it. But then the more I thought about it, you know, you always hear stories about people that win the lottery and, and the way it affects their life afterward. Uh, in fact, usually it doesn't last at all. There's a story about a, I actually saw a documentary about a homeless person that they gave a million dollars to and just followed him around documenting it just to see, just see what would happen. Within about two weeks, he was broken back out on the streets, disappeared. But a million dollars, you know, it goes from having nothing to having everything, but it doesn't fix any of his problems. And, uh, you know, I, I have some financial issues, some things I would like to see completely resolved, and I'm thinking, you know, like, Powerball could be a quick way to, to take care of some of that. And I'm listening to everybody else, and they're talking about how they would spend their money and how generous they would be and who they'd give to and how much they'd give and who they'd buy a house for and all this. I'm thinking, I don't know if I would be that generous. I don't, I, you know, I'm like, I want to make sure I'm not going broke immediately, you know, two weeks later, like, and so I'm, I'm thinking, and then I'm thinking of all the expectations that people would have on me with that money when I'm not that generous. And I'm just contemplating it all, you know, considering buying this lottery ticket. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, yeah, I don't even know if I want it. I don't even know if I want $500 million. Now that's a weird feeling. I don't know if I've ever thought that before. I can't say if you want to give me $500 million, I can't say I'll turn it, turn it down. But I did not buy a lottery ticket. And I, you know, I just, I started seeing what God had been doing in my life. That though, yes, I was going through some financial struggles, I was beginning to see in faith, you know, some of the, the light at the end of the tunnel for that, that God was working things out, that, and that it's a, it's a long, slow road sometimes, but that God is taking me step by step on this journey, and he is taking care of me. He's always taking care of me. And slow growth really is better. It is healthy growth. The answer to all your financial troubles is not in the lottery. It's in the Father who wants to take care of you and provide for you and teach you good stewardship and wisdom. You come from a wealthy family. Your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I, I believe what David said, what King David said when he said that he's never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Man, there's been some times where, you know, like, you know what people are going through, and you're like, they should be begging for bread. But man, it, it doesn't happen. Like, you see God open up the windows of heaven and provide all their needs, you know, one way or another. Whether it's, whether it's through some social services or whether it's through random people from the church or people you don't even know or you don't even know where it came from. God just provides one way or another. He likes to take care of his family. He likes to take care of his kids. And he wants to, to get you beyond that, that moment of desperation. He does. He wants to take care of you and, and make you successful, make you, make you strong. Uh, but, but that psalm where David says that, it starts off in verse 1, Psalm 37, 1. In Psalm 37, 1, it says, Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. So don't, when you're struggling with stuff like that, don't look at the way the world is, is getting their wealth, the way the world is getting success, and become jealous, or, you know, maybe I should rob a bank. Uh, God is going to provide for you. Fix your eyes on Jesus he is your provision. He is your source. He is the bread of life. And he is the living water. He is our treasure in heaven. Don't worry about what tomorrow may bring. Don't worry about what you'll wear or what you'll eat. 
Your God is the God who clothes the field with flowers, who feeds the birds of the air, and he's going to provide all your needs, not according to your needs, but according to his riches and glory. Now, sin and righteousness, sin and righteous performance are things of this earth too. That may be a little little confusing to you, but I think we can all agree that there's no sin in heaven. Am I right about that? I I think we can be in agreement about that. How about in Jesus? Is there any sin in Jesus? Now, yes, sin was dealt with on the cross with Jesus, but no, there is no sin in Jesus right now, right? Jesus, Jesus is sinless. Jesus is perfect. He's the pure definition of righteousness. And guess what? Colossians said that you are hidden in Christ. So if you are in Christ and there's no sin in Christ, there, yeah, yeah, there's no sin in you either, by the way. Sin is something of this earth. It is, it is an earthly care. Our righteous performance, guess what? You are righteous in your spirit right now. Now, sometimes you don't perform righteously, but that is an earthly thing. That is a thing that happens here on this earth. That is not a thing that happens in your spirit, in your life, which is hidden in Christ. Now, uh, in that gap of Colossians 3, Paul does deal with sin in the flesh. So I had kind of read Colossians 3 where it said, you know, that you are hidden with Christ, that your life is there. And then I skipped down to talk about, you know, the, the, the thoughts we should have as we, as we set our mind on things above, not on things on the earth. But in that gap, in Colossians 3, 5, it says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of, the, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all things such as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to earthly nature. But how many times do you have to put it to death? How many times do we have to kill this old man? Put it to death, yes. Nail it to the cross with Jesus and remember it no more just like he remembers it no more. He said he cast your sin as far away as the east is from the west. He says that he remembers your sin no more. So you do the same. Yes, put it to death, but put it to death and leave it behind. Don't keep trying to resurrect what God has already dealt with. Stop focusing on your sin. Stop focusing on your performance and set your eyes on things above. Set your eyes on Christ who is the author and the finisher of your faith and trust that the cross did effectively deal with your sin. It's the image of the creator. In, that, in verse 10 it said, you have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the creator. It's the image of, cre- of the creator that renews you. So fix your eyes on Jesus, not on your sin. So if you've noticed that you are less concerned by the things going on around you, if you've noticed that worry has become a decreased part of your life, and you're less affected by the wind and the waves and more focused on the things of the Spirit, then fruit is on its way. Because those weeds are not choking out the word that God has put in your life. The cares of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, they're not coming against what God is growing inside of you. And fruit is on its way. Now the harvest is always more than you planted. 
in the end of his explanation of this parable, he says to his disciples that the crop of the good soil is going to be 100 or 60 or 30 times more than what was sown. Now, 30 is a lot less than 100, but how would you like to see even those kind of results with your tithe? How would you like to see you tithe 10% and then God produces a, a 30 times you know, harvest from that? By the way, that's, a, that's a three times your, your, you know, how much you're making now. That's a three times raise there. That would be fantastic. I would love that. Now, truthfully, this isn't talking about tithe, but in Malachi, Jesus, well, not Jesus, but God, who is Jesus, promised that if you test him in tithe, that he will prove himself true to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you can't even receive, that there's not even room for. So that sounds even better than 30 times, to be honest. But God works in multiplication. He built it in starting with creation, right? When he says, be fruitful and multiply, be fruitful and multiply. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. That's why Whitney's pregnant with our fifth kid right now. Praise the Lord. Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. He commanded nature to work that way, multiplying. Addition is great, but multiplication is better. If Adam and Eve had 100 kids every nine months, for 10,000 years and no one ever died, the Earth's population would be around 1,250,000 people. That is addition. But nature works through exponential multiplication. And therefore, after, after billions and billions of deaths, I was about to say billions and billions of years, but I don't believe that, sorry. After billions and billions of deaths on this Earth, uh, we have seven billion people in the world instead. Because multiplication is better. And that is the way God works in the fruit in our lives. One seed produces a great crop in its result. The point is that your harvest is going to be big. It's going to be huge. You will bear much fruit. I'm believing that for each and every one of you. But don't be the have-nots. You know, he said that if you have, more is going to be given to you. If you have not, even what you have is going to be taken away. You need to have a personal revelation of Jesus. You can't just live off of, off of the fruit that's growing off of other people's trees. I mean, I mean, yes, I mean, truthfully, your fruit's not for yourself, it's for others. But, but the fact is that you have to have that seed. Dr. Holler can't be that for you. I can't be that for you. Dean can't be that for you. You've got to have a revelation of who Jesus is. And when you have that revelation, when you have something, then God can give you more. So if you don't have that yet, latch onto it, grab a hold of it. Don't let this word slip past you. Mull it over in your mind. Consider it. Keep it. Nourish and protect that seed. Don't let the enemy take it away. Nurture that seed and it will grow. And when you have, God is going to give you more. He's going to bring multiplication into your life. Now, I was thinking about what that fruit is. So when I was originally putting this together, I was thinking more of, of the fruit of the Spirit. And that's great, and I think that's a part of it. But when I put it together with this thought of multiplication, you know, I realized that really the fruit that God wants to see is the expansion of his kingdom. He wants to see you being a part of that. He wants you to be, you know, bringing the gospel to the people around you. And I, I, I'm pretty confident that every one of you here today would, would say that, you know, I want that in my life. 
I want to be able to bring more people to Jesus, to bring people into God's kingdom, to, to set free, you know, those Christians that I know that haven't experienced the true freedom, the true gifts of God in their life. You can and should be a part of that. That's not just the pastor's job. That's not just the worship pastor's job. That's not just the Gideon's job. That is all of our job. You know what? I love that about the Gideons that, like you said, that you're members, but you're volunteers. You don't get paid. You even have to take from your own money for expenses. What that means is, is these are business people right here who have jobs like you, and they work, and they don't have a platform per se, you know? But they have found a way to get involved in the expansion of the kingdom of God, in, in bringing the good news to people. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to go to Bible college. God has called you to this, and he's going to take care of the fruit. He's going to bring fruit in your life as you nourish that seed, as you grow your roots deep, as you set your mind on the things above. God is going to, to use you. You can be confident in that. And remember, the results aren't your responsibility. So don't worry if, if you tell somebody about Jesus and they don't respond to it. That's not your responsibility. And you don't know what's going to come from that later. Your responsibility is just to speak it, just to do what God's called you to do, just to you know, let, let what's in your heart come out. And God will bring fruit. Now, you're not here today for a one-time intervention from God. You are here for a life-changing encounter. You are here to receive a seed that will grow and produce a massive crop, welling up to eternal life. So jump on it, receive the word of God. Don't let it go. Dwell on it and give yourself over to it. And we look forward to, to seeing and rejoicing with you as you produce much fruit. In Jesus' name.